What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Tick, Tick, Boom and King Richard. First, let's talk about the movie Tick, Tick, Boom. Here's a quick synopsis. Jonathan Larson is a musical playwright who is willing to give up anything and everything to get his musical made, whether that's his personal life or his unwillingness to get a steady everyday job. I'm not someone who had a personal relationship with the work of the late great Jonathan Larson. I'm not that familiar with Rent. I'm not that familiar with the show Tick, Tick, Boom. I am familiar with the star of the movie that's Andrew Garfield. The minute I heard that Garfield was going to do a musical I knew I needed to see this movie I'm one of his biggest fans I really think he's one of the best actors working today. The film stars Garfield along with Robin DeJesus Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical and Alexander Shipp from X-Men Apocalypse and the standout performances from Tick Tick Boom come from Andrew Garfield who continues to challenge himself as a performer this time with a musical and he can really sing. This is one of his best performances. I still think his best is 99 Homes. If you have not seen 99 Homes, I cannot recommend it any higher. That film is amazing. Not enough people have seen it. Andrew Garfield gives his best performance along with Michael Shannon who gives a career best performance of his own. Like I said, this is one of the best performances of Garfield's career. I think it's going to get him an Oscar nomination and I wouldn't be totally shocked if he ends up winning it. He's only been nominated one other time and that was his performance in Hacksaw Ridge, which is another really good movie. I just like that Andrew Garfield is going for it. I mean, look at the free performances he's given so far this year. Mainstream, which is about the wildest performance of his career. That is one of my other favorite films of this year that nobody is talking about. I think it's an overlooked film. He was also in the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye with Jessica Chastain. More on that film next week. That's a crazy film. He's really good in that. And then you have Tick, Tick, Boom. And a lot of people think, oh, a movie star is going to sing. This can go one or two ways, and I think it went the right way. I like when movie stars sing. I thought Ryan Gosling was really good in La La Land. I think this year, Adam Driver was really good in Annette. And again, Andrew Garfield proved he could really sing in this movie. It wasn't a distraction. Sometimes when a movie star sings, it can be really distracting. Just watch Russell Crowe in Les Mis. You're like, Russell, stop singing. You're not a singer. Andrew Garfield does not feel that way. I'm not saying he's the greatest singer of all time, but he can really carry this movie with his singing voice. The thing I love about Andrew Garfield and the thing I like about most of the leading men that I follow is that you can't tell what they're going to do next. One minute he's Spider-Man and the next minute he's showing up in smaller films giving crazy wild performances. I love him in movies like Under the Silver Lake, but I also love him in a movie like Tick, Tick, Boom because this movie is such a movie star role. This is Andrew Garfield reminding the world he is a movie star. The breakout performance of Tick, Tick, Boom comes from Robin DeJesus. I mean, this guy is great in this movie. I would love for him to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination. He is terrific in his scenes with Andrew Garfield, especially there's one heartbreaking scene that I won't reveal that is definitely his Oscar moment. Garfield will next appear in two miniseries, Brideshead Revisited with Cate Blanchett 
Chet Rooney Mara and Ralph Fiennes and Under the Banner of Heaven with Wyatt Russell and Daisy Edgar Jones. The director of Tick Tick Boom is Lin-Manuel Miranda who is of course best known for creating Hamilton. I mean we all talk about Hamilton. We all know how much everyone loves Hamilton. I think this is his best work in movies. I mean he's had a big year. He produced Into the Heights which I think has become kind of underrated. I just watched that for a minute ago the other day and Anthony Ramos deserves Oscar consideration for that movie. I mean he showed up in Mary Poppins Returns. He added music to the movie Moana. I mean but with this movie he proves he's a formidable filmmaker. Like this wasn't just a great performance. I think this is a really really good film. The way it was made is well made and Lin-Manuel Miranda is somebody who I'm excited to see if he's going to make more movies and coming into it I wasn't that excited that it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda but I walked out of it being like okay I'm interested in what this guy does next and I wouldn't be mad if Lin-Manuel Miranda was nominated for best director at the Oscars. Miranda will next be starring in the movie The Making of with Diane Keene, Richard Gere and Blake Lively and will also be producing Disney's live action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. I think what makes this movie Tick Tick Boom so special is because it's not about rent it's not about the show Tick Tick Boom it's about this person trying to be creative and the sacrifices that he had to make he had to make sacrifices personally he had to make sacrifices professionally if he took an everyday day job he wouldn't have been able to write this musical Tick Tick Boom or to write Rent and that was a true sacrifice that he made in his life and I also love that he had the one person in his life played by Robin DeJesus who told him you have to keep going. You have something special here because if Jonathan Larson didn't have someone in his life telling him that, he would have just taken the everyday 9 to 5 job and then we wouldn't have a musical like Rent. I think we as a society tend to forget where these people started. Directors, actors, writers, playwrights. They started at the bottom. There was a time where we didn't know any of their work. So to go back into this movie and see that there was a time where we didn't know the name Jonathan Larson that he had to tell himself that he was important enough to keep on going. I think that's something special and unique and not enough movies depict this time period in a creative person's life. I mean, that's another reason why I love the movie La La Land because the character that Emma Stone is playing is trying to be an actress and she knows that she has the right stuff, but no one is telling her that. She has to have that belief in herself. Yes, it helps that Jonathan Larson had Stephen Sondheim believing in him, but that's not enough to pay the bills. He had to keep on going because of his creative passion. I also loved how the movie showed the biggest problem that a creative person has is that their work is the most important thing to them. I mean, Jonathan Larson thought he had the biggest problem in the world trying to write his musical, trying to be successful, and then he has a moment with his best friend played by Robin DeJesus and his best friend basically tells him I have a problem that's bigger than you and your issues. This movie shows how unique creative people are. I mean, Jonathan Larson basically chose his career over a relationship, and yeah, it ended up working out for him, but not a lot of people would have gone down that route. They would have taken the easier path. They would have chose the relationship, and that might have been the right path, too, but the creative person in Jonathan Larson was going to keep on trying to do the thing that he loved the most. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is this scene where he's talking to his agent on the phone, and his agent basically tells him to make his next play more personal. I think that's another idea that all creative people go through. We try to do
do something so smart, so clever, but then it's like, just be yourself, just do something that you know makes something about the world that you live in, and he ended up doing that with Rent and Tick Tick Boom. When his work got more personal, he became more successful. I also liked every song in the movie, which is rare for a movie musical. Usually there is only one song that stands out. In this, I feel like every song is stellar. My personal favorite is Johnny Can't Decide. I also thought the moments where Garfield was singing with Vanessa Hudgens were tremendous. There was this one moment where Alexandra Ship was singing that felt like a weird music video. I didn't quite care for that moment, but overall the songs were really good. In a year with a lot of movie musicals, you have Into the Heights, Annette, Dear Evan Hansen, Tick Tick Boom, and the upcoming West Side Story directed by Steven Spielberg, and unless that movie West Side Story is a masterpiece, I feel like Tick Tick Boom is going to be the best musical of the year. And I haven't seen a movie star act this well in a musical since La La Land. Andrew Garfield is really going for it the same way that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling went for it in La La Land. I know modern movie musicals can be a bit of a mixed bag, but I highly recommend you check out the movie Tick Tick Boom. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie King Richard. Here's a quick synopsis. Richard Williams has a grand plan for his daughters Venus and Serena to become the biggest tennis stars in the world so that they can have a better life than he had. This is one of the films that I highly anticipated and a lot of that has to do with the performance of Will Smith and the movie and Smith lived up to the hype. The film stars Smith alongside Sanaya Sidney, Demi Singleton, Anjanou Ellis, and John Bernthal. The breakout performances from King Richard come from Will Smith who gives his best performance in quite a long while. He was able to maintain his movie star charm while also getting lost in a character. Right now he's the favorite to bring home the Oscar for best leading actor. It would be the first win of his career and the third nomination. Smith was previously nominated for his performances in Ali and the Pursuit of Happiness and I feel like Smith is having a bit of a resurgence. Last year he had Bad Boys Free which was one of the best blockbusters. He proved he could still make a, a big movie that people like. No offense to Suicide Squad and Aladdin. Those movies made a ton of money but are super flawed films and with King Richard he's reminding us he's not only a movie star he's also a fantastic actor. Anjanou Ellis who plays the mother of the Williams sisters and she is great in this movie especially in one scene where she goes head to head with Will Smith. I would not be surprised if she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. And then you have John Bernthal who is one of the very best supporting actors working today. I mean this guy is having the best year of his career. Not only is he in King Richard, he was also in Those Who Wish Me Dead with Angelina Jolie. I thought he was great in that movie. He also had a small role in The Many Saints of Newark where he played the father of Tony Soprano and I also thought he was great in an episode of BJ Novak's The Premise. I mean all of these movies and all those roles this year prove how versatile John Bernthal is and I really hope this movie King Richard gets him an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. I mean John Bernthal has been so good for so long. He's been in so many good movies. The Wolf of Wall Street, Fury, Ford v. Ferrari. It's time for the world to recognize how great John Bernthal really is. I mean the minute he's on screen in King Richard he brings so much life and energy to this movie. It was such a fun performance. I mean Will Smith is really going for it and he's funny at times but I thought John Bernthal was really the comedic relief of this movie. He had that silly accent. I don't know what was going on with that. Maybe he thought that this was more of a dramatic 
dramatic role, but I thought it was a really fun performance by John Bernthal in a really fun big movie. Bernthal has proven time and time again that he can work with some of the best actors of all time, Brad Pitt and Fury, now Will Smith and King Richard, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill and The Wolf of Wall Street. The list goes on. Angelina Jolie and Those Who Wish Me Dead. John Bernthal is one of the very best supporting actors. Oscars, please get this guy a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. And I'd be remiss not to mention Sonia Sidney and Demi Singleton who play Venus and Serena respectively. They both hold their own against Will Smith, which is super impressive. I mean, kid actors, listen, I get it. This is really a movie about the father, but if these kids were not good, we would think of this movie differently. I think they are very good with the very little that they are given to do. I mean, almost all of their scenes are with Will Smith. There's a few scenes with one of the daughters with only Anjanu Ellis, but all of their moments are Will Smith. So for even for me to pay attention for them at all, I think it's super impressive. Again, they didn't really have many scenes, just the two of them. I don't think they ever really spoke a lot of dialogue one-on-one. It was them and it was Will Smith and they held their own, so I thought their performances were really good. But all in all, this was really the Will Smith show, and Smith's next projects includes the movies Emancipation with Ben Foster and Bad Boys 4 with Martin Lawrence. Bernthal will next appear in the movies The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock and Viola Davis, and Sharp Stick with Kristen Frosseth, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Taylor Page. As someone who was a kid when the Williams were already dominating, I really didn't know that much about the origin story. Like, I didn't really know that Venus Williams was the first one to hit in a really big way. I thought that was really interesting. I think the part of this movie that is super polarizing for some is this idea that Richard Williams orchestrated his entire children's lives. I'll admit, every time they talk about his plan, it made me a little uncomfortable. In his defense, he was doing all this to give his daughters a better life and to get them out of the hood. And while the idea of a parent planning a kid's life is cringe, I, as a white person who has a very different life, cannot possibly understand what he was going through and what they were going through and their problems. I feel like he was justified in his choice. And if you believe the movie, they never once complained about being tennis stars or about him as a parent. Yes, the whole child prodigy thing is always a strange thing. I always think about Tiger Woods and his father. It can kind of make you uncomfortable thinking about. But I think Richard Williams really knew that there wasn't that many other avenues for him and his family to survive. I mean, I think that's a big point of it. They didn't have other avenues. They were not going to be given a million opportunities. Now, maybe they could have done something else with their education, but I think they needed a quick fix. You saw that in that movie. There's that one scene where I really realized what kind of life the Williams were living in and they really needed to get out of that lifestyle. If they didn't get out of there, who knows if their lives would have ever gotten better and it really got better in a big way. Now, we can all say it's justified because they've gone on to be the two biggest tennis stars in the world. Now, if it had gone a different way, I think he deserved way more criticism and if they were unhappy, he deserves way more criticism. But the reality of the situation is the Williams sisters are producers on this movie. They definitely have these feelings about their father. And listen, they are the experts in their own lives. I am not an expert in their lives. I did not live their lives. I can only go with what the movie is telling me. And I think what the movie is telling me is he was justified in a lot of his decision making. One thing I really liked about this movie is that the movie avoids cliches. I mean, the movie really ended on a loss. Vina Williams lost a big match. I also liked how they showed Richard as a flawed human being, one who didn't always do the right thing, but really truly cared about his kids.
kids. I also thought he really had the right attitude about trying to make his kids live a normal life. I mean, we all know how we treat teen celebrities nowadays. It's really uncomfortable how we treat the modern day teen celebrity. And he was ahead of his time with that. He didn't want his kids to feel like they were celebrities or that they were higher than any one human being. He just wanted them to live better lives. He didn't want them to be treated like royalty. He didn't think of them as a business. He thought of them as human beings. Now, yes, did he go a little too overboard with trying to make himself the face of their success? Probably, but I think he had their best interests at heart, even if he didn't always do the right thing. I think the biggest criticism of this film, and one that I truly agree with, is this idea, why is this movie about Richard Williams? You have Venus, you have Serena, two of the biggest tennis stars in all of the world, and we're making a movie about their father. I still don't really know all that much about the Williams sisters. I know a lot more about their dad and how he had this massive plan to make them successes and that all paid out, but what made them special? What made them tick? How did they really feel about one another? How did Serena really feel about the fact that Venus hit first? And how did Venus feel about the fact that when Serena did hit, Venus started to slide? I really want to know all those different kind of aspects, and this movie really didn't give me much of all that. And again, I did really not know that Venus had way more success early on than Serena. I would love a sequel to be about the life of Serena Williams. I mean, she did inarguably become the better player. There's also one scene in particular that I really had the biggest issue with. There's a scene near the end of the movie where Richard Williams confronts Serena Williams about the fact that she is going to become the greatest tennis player of all time and that Venus is just going to have her moment right now. I have major issues with this moment because it's so easy to say that in hindsight. The movie is basically giving Richard Williams credit for predicting that his daughter is going to be better than his other daughter down the line. I think this movie gives Richard Williams way too much credit with trying to predict the future. Yes, in the moment he would definitely say something about his daughter like you're going to have your turn to but he's not going to tell his actual daughter that she's going to play better tennis than her older sister at any point in her life I don't feel like that moment feels real I feel like it's easy to say all that in hindsight in hindsight we all know that Venus Williams goes on to win what seven grand slams while Serena wins 23 I mean Serena became the better player I think that is a real knock on the film that this movie is about Richard Williams and more about Venus Williams Williams and not about Serena who becomes arguably the greatest tennis player of all time. I really like King Richard. I think it's a very good movie and if it's the movie that gets Will Smith his Oscar, I'll be very happy. Should it win Best Picture? No, but it is one of the better films of 2021. And in honor of King Richard, here's my five favorite sports movies since the year 2010. Honorable mentions include Foxcatcher, Rush, Creed, Battle of the Sexes, and Borg vs. McEnroe. So here are my five my favorite sports movie since 2010, number 542. The late great Chadwick Boseman is unreal as the legendary Jackie Robinson. Harrison Ford is brilliant as Branch Rickey. He should have been nominated for an Oscar. I also love Andre Holland in this movie. It's a great scene-stealing performance. Number four, I, Tonya. This is still my favorite Margot Robbie performance. I love the weird comedic tone. It's one of the more sadder sports movies while also being one of the most fun. Number three, Warrior. Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton have both 
both never been better. Hardy in particular is just going for it without really saying much dialogue, yet he's conveying so much. I'm glad it's now thought of as a cult classic because it rules. Number two, The Fighter. This movie has so many great performances. Mark Wahlberg, Melissa Leo, Amy Adams, but it's Christian Bale who steals the movie as Dickie Eklund. Christian Bale as Dickie Eklund is still my favorite movie performance of all time. Number one, Moneyball. One of the best Brad Pitt performances of his career. The movie that showed Jonah Hill is more than a comedic actor. It's the movie that did the impossible. Make me care about Billy Bean as a human being. Something I never thought I would end up doing. I love Moneyball. I think it's a masterpiece. I recommend you check out all those great sports movies and I highly recommend you watch the movie King Richard. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and this week I put the spotlight on the movies Tick Tick Boom and King Richard. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the career of actor Bradley Cooper in the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye starring Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.